What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the second official episode of The Final Drive with Nate Castle. Thanks for tuning in. Really appreciate it. I got a fun one planned for us today. We're going to start off by talking about two of the Bills free agent moves that the team has made since the last time our podcast aired. Then we're going to get into talking with an avid Cowboys fan in my buddy Logan. And afterwards, talk to a former college athlete and burn survivor in Trent. Uh, during our conversations with them, we're going to talk about a fan-posted question by my buddy Seth. Thanks for the question, Seth. The question is, how has COVID-19 affected and how is it going to affect the 2020 draft class? And it's a great question, Seth. Uh, we'll get into that with both Logan and Trent. To start off, like I said, we are going to discuss the Bills free agent moves. Since the last time our podcast aired, the Bills have signed a cornerback in EJ Gaines and an offensive tackle in Daryl Williams. Um, I'm okay with both of these moves. We're going to start talking about EJ first. He is a cornerback most recently with Cleveland in 2018. He did make two starts for them. He is signed to a one-year $2.1 million deal with $350,000 guaranteed. I'm not a, opposed to the contract by any means. It's a one-year prove-it deal. Uh, back in 2017, his first stint with the team, he actually went 8-3 and three as a starter. Um, when he was on the field, we won games. He's by no means elite, uh, his, but his problem has never been uh, his field playing. His problem has been staying healthy. He, he's great when he's on the field, but he's had a problem staying on the field the last few years. So if um, he can stay on the field and produce the way he did in 2017 for the Bills, uh, they found a diamond in the rough if that were to happen. And if not, he is solid depth. So, you know, no problem with the signing there. Secondly, uh, Darrell Williams was signed. He started 12 games for the Carolina Panthers uh, last year. He actually played in all 16. I'm okay with this signing as well. You know, I know a lot of Bills fans weren't fond of it because um, he really fared kind of poorly if you ask Carolina Panthers fans last year. Uh, with that being said, he's not going to be a starter. You know, if, if Darrell Williams is starting, then something went horribly wrong on the offensive line. He has... Just like he did last year, he's proven he can stay healthy in a 16-game season, which is definitely important in the NFL because you can be as talented as they come, but if you can't stay on the field, then you're of use to no NFL team. Secondly, he offers some versatility. He has experience playing both offensive tackle and offensive guard. Uh, every Bills fan knows how important versatility on the line is to McDermott and Brandon Bean, so that offers him an upside as well. And like I said, this is not a starter position signing. He signed a one-year deal. Um, really don't know the specifics of that deal yet, but I can't imagine it being anything more than a uh, depth signing contract, which is what he will be. We're now going to segue into our next segment. Uh, we're going to talk to, like I said, my buddy Logan. He is an avid a uh, fan of the Cowboys. I've known him since high school. He's also in a fantasy football league with me. Very knowledgeable football fan and excited to have him on the podcast today. So without further ado, Logan. Logan, thanks for joining us today. Um, I know you're a Cowboys fan. How did you become a Cowboys fan? Uh, my dad was actually uh, born and raised in uh, Oklahoma and Texas area. His, uh, his dad actually still lives in Texas. And uh, they were all big Cowboys fans, so I kind of just – him being one kind of just made me one. Awesome, man. That's cool. So, you know, I know you guys have had a couple of big signings in the past offseason, uh, including the big Amari Cooper contract. But what do you think has been the Cowboys' best offseason move? Um, best offseason move, not even talking about players, would be uh, firing Jason Garrett. 
Mm. That'd be my my the biggest offseason move. Um, if we were going to talk about players, it would probably be um the the Mari's uh, contract. Um, keeping him uh, locked down. Of course, he wanted to you know stay in Dallas. Um, but yeah, the Jason Garrett signing uh, firing man. Are you excited to have your new coach in McCarthy? Oh yeah, I'm I'm big time excited, man. Big time. Super Bowl champ 2011. So definitely have some upside there and some mm-hmm. success behind under his belt. So that's uh that's definitely good for your locker room. I think that's a good move as well. So, you know, we know who the best move you think is. What about as far as a sleeper signing? Anyone that under the radar that we should know about? Ha ha Clinton Dix. Okay. Uh strong safety. He had he played with the Bears last year, had two interceptions. Um but he uh was actually played with McCarthy already. Mm-hmm. Um, in Green, Green Bay. Bay. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I think he's a, that's a good setting, too. He'll definitely help out your secondary, no doubt, especially with the loss of Byron Jones. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he got, I think he got overpaid a little bit by Miami, but, you know, when talent's on the free agent market, it usually goes at a uh, premium. So definitely got can't fault the guy for getting his money. No, I can't. Yeah, Byron Jones, man, he's a big guy, and the knock is with him is he don't get interceptions. Mm-hmm. Well, he never gets thrown on. Yeah, yeah. So, definitely some lockdown coverage. The, yeah. Uh, Dolphins definitely upgraded in that spot for sure. Uh, moving on, is there a specific guy, since, you know, sp- talking about losing a cornerback like Jones, is there a specific guy maybe you'd like to target in the draft? Um, C.J. Henderson, um, okay. the cornerback out of Florida. Real good 40 time, man. I think it was like a 4-3-8, 4-3-9. Um, but I, realistically, he could fall to us at, you know, 17. So I could de- I definitely see him falling to us. Um. A lot of the guy, like a lot of Cowboys press, they're talking about um, a pass rusher because we did lose Robert Quinn, um, who had 11 and a half sacks for us. Um, so I, I want to see a cornerback because we got a lot of young cornerbacks. Mm-hmm. But I, I need a man-to-man type of guy, um, real lockdown guy. I don't know. I think CJ is six foot one. I might be mistaken. But he is. he's fast, man. He can keep up with anybody in the league. Okay, great. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely would be another key piece to that defense that I think McCarthy would love. I could definitely see something like that happening. Um, another big move, not necessarily for the Cowboys, and but the entire NFL in general. Brady going from the AFC with the Patriots, obviously now signing with the Buccaneers on a two-year deal. How do you think that affects the 2020 playoffs as far as from an NFC standpoint? Brady's gonna make the playoffs. Um, and the NFC South too, especially with the Saints really being the only contending team in that division um what the seven the seven teams in the playoffs though that's going to change a lot mm-hmm. with the six wild cards but it, it's going to shake up some teams man because I, I don't remember the last time tampa bay's been in the playoffs um been 12 years yeah so there so you you're guaranteeing that brady and the bucks make the playoffs this year i guarantee it i believe they have the second longest active playoff drought in the nfl so that would be just another thing to put under his belt, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, but moving on, you talked about a couple of the draftees that maybe you'd want to, the Cowboys to get this this coming draft. Um, COVID has obviously affected that in a large way. Um, as far as, you know, maybe what has happened or what you think will happen, how do you think that this uh, pandemic has affected the NFL season? I don't think it's going to affect it that much um, because they're still allowing, you know, the, the FaceTimes. The only thing that – the only thing I don't uh, – I think it will affect is, the like, the man-to-man, you know, like the face-to-face interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but then you get to get out the FaceTimes and all that. Actually, uh, my buddy, uh, Michael Hughes Jr., he uh, was on the Jags practice squad uh, this past year. Actually wow. got cut. But uh, he uh, went to UNLV, and he actually told me, you know, like the biggest thing for interviews is um, they don't they – don't re- it's just you can do FaceTime on that. You can have phone calls on that. Mm-hmm. Like the face-to-face thing is not really a big deal for the coaching staffs and stuff. What do you think from like a player's training standpoint, anything to that that uh, would negatively affect maybe a draft stock, anything to that nature? The, the combine's already kind of been out. I can see the guys that, you know, like the under-the-radar guys that, you know, fifth, sixth round, uh, seventh round draftee guys that were mm-hmm. hoping to get drafted on the board line. I think that's not going to work in their favor. But for the other guys that are, you know, the first, second, the hype, uh, the big guys already on the draft boards. Uh, it, I don't think it's going to affect them at all. I agree. I uh, I read some analysts that said the teams that are going to do it right are going to get it right the first time. The teams that we're going to screw up anyway are going to continue to screw yeah. up. So I uh, I completely agree in that aspect. The way I see it is, you know, the interviews and a lot of stuff done uh, postseason prior to the draft is more so you're just trying to confirm what was on the tape, not necessarily convince yourself that there's something else that wasn't on the tape. So at this point, yeah, exactly. just watch the film, you know, get to know the guys, like you said, through the FaceTime calls, that's the best you can do. Obviously, it's not ideal, but um, to the extent that I know a lot of other sports have been affected by this, luckily football doesn't start, you know, until officially until September. Mm-hmm. So uh, hoping things cool down by then. But I uh, mm-hmm. really appreciate your time today, Logan. Uh, thanks for staying in contact. Go Bills, go Cowboys. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. No problem. Next, we'll be speaking with Trent. Trent will be giving us the inside scoop of the day-to-day responsibilities and life of a college athlete and how COVID-19 might be affecting said students. Trent is a former college athlete and a burn survivor. He's also been mm-hmm. a good friend of mine since high school. Uh, go Brit. Hey. So, Trent, what sport did you play? Where did you play? it? And then, uh, you know, any information you want to give us about your uh, burns as well would be awesome. Um, I played soccer at uh, the University of North Carolina at Pembroke for two years, uh, registered in my freshman year, and then saw a little bit of time on the field sophomore year. Um, in regards to my burns, man, all it was, it kind of came in good timing. I had already, I moved on past the soccer team and focused on my academics and stuff. And, uh, later on that year is when I, uh, burned both my hands. So, as a goalkeeper burning both your hands, I think it was a sign I made the right choice. <laughs> you have a college athlete during the regular season? Oh, man, it's like a <laughs> it's like a full-time job that uh, you don't ever get a break. I mean, the closest thing I can equate it to is being a doctor, I guess. You just you're always on call, you always have something that's always something that you have to look forward to and you've always got somebody you got to answer to and stuff like that. I mean, we wake up most mornings we had 6am either weights or running. Um, and then past that, we would just go to our 8am courses, sit in class from eight to 12, no later than one, one thirty. Um, we had classes that weren't supposed to run that long. Uh, we were supposed to be ready for our practice to run at three, which meant you were in the locker room at two thirty, So you had to be there really early and getting stretched out and warmed up. Um, and then we ran through our practice it was usually about an hour and a half, two hours, uh, depending on a day in middle of the season, it was, uh, shorter practices and a little more intense. Um, but it did vary. There was a lot of different things that we would do. Um, and then after practice, you know, if you had 
time to go eat, you grab a, grab a bite to eat and then work on homework or go back out to the field to get some extra touches in. Sounds like you were pretty busy from the start of the day to the end. Oh yeah. It's every day. I mean, you're lucky to, you're lucky to get sleep. Wow. And then how did that differ from say the off season? Uh, the off season was a little lighter. Um, NCAA requires that, uh, you have a period where you're, it's usually, ours was just shy of a month, um, where you're not allowed to touch the ball, um, and you're not allowed, like the coaches are not allowed to hold organized practices, but we were still held to a standard of, you know, you're going out there on your own because day one, you're going to get tested. Uh, you're going to have run tests and fitness tests and that kind of stuff. So if you're not ready to go, then, you know, you know where you stand and you're probably going to stand right there on the bench. Um, but the off season was, we, we focused a lot on strength. Uh, we hit the weight room a whole lot more during our off season. Um, did, didn't do too much tactical wise. Uh, that was usually, you know, we kind of adjusted throughout the regular season for tactics and stuff, but off season was just strength and getting ourselves ready to go for the season again. Awesome. And was there anything else as far as, you know, say a training regimen or a diet that maybe differed from the regular season, anything to that nature? Um, not too much. Uh, it was really just during season that, uh, we were, we were on diet plans and we, uh, had to watch what we were eating both before and after practice. Our biggest was actually our preseason. Um, we had to weigh in, before and after practice during the preseason it was like a three-week period um and if you didn't make your weight whether it was too much or not enough then you weren't even allowed to practice uh you had to make sure you were retaining water weight um making sure you were getting enough calories and stuff because our preseason was our most intense we hit it hard with all that stuff going on um that you were doing you know both during the season and off and during the off season how do you think you know COVID-19 has affected maybe what the draft class of 2020 is now experiencing that say they wouldn't be if things were, you know, normal. Oh man. Um, it's, I think it's most heavily affecting, uh, spring sports. Like you've got, uh, you've got your fall and winter sports who have already made it through their seasons. Um, some of them, you know, were at the tail end of their season. So those graduating seniors were able to perform and they can show what they've got but I'm not sure how forgiving um, a lot of uh, professional coaches and stuff like that are going to be. Um, the spring season sports are really who got hit hard and who got screwed over. I mean, half of the, half the teams didn't even get to start their senior season. It was just completely ripped out from underneath their feet. So I, I think they're affected heavily by uh, this COVID-19 and the draft class and, top dollar kids who aren't even going to get the chance because they won't be looked at because their most recent season wasn't played. And then they have that long break before they can go on to professionalism. And, you know, unfortunately a lot of coaches are going to be looking for, you know, how, how can you perform most recently? I don't care what you did two years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially for, like you said, the, the spring sports, they, they were definitely affected the hardest, mm -hmm. but in terms of like football, I know, Pembroke also had a football team just talk a little bit about what you knew of you know their offseason and now how that is also affecting or being affected by COVID so if you want to talk in terms of continuing on with 
you know, NFL and them being able to be drafted, I think most of it's just going to be postponed. Um, they're not going to completely strip things away. Um, the, most technically, a most recent season for a senior football player was in September, October. So they've got all of that to look at. You know, the offseason mm-hmm. for football is huge. It's where you build. It's your strength. That's where you get bigger for the next season. Um, so I think that will affect some players, but I'm not too sure how well how, – how badly it's going to affect football players but i know their off season is i mean it's not even seniors we're worried about now you've got your freshman sophomore juniors who aren't even allowed to practice so they're relying coaches are relying entirely on you know can these kids work out on their own are they going to do stuff at home what can they do with limited resources so they just kind of have to a good coach is going to switch his vision um, and see what these kids are capable of instead of you know trying to stick to oh this kid can hit this much on a bench press in the gym i mean the kid can't even go to the gym right now so they mm-hmm. unfortunately they can't even build that that's great insight trent appreciate it again that's trent from uncp former goalie appreciate it trent yeah thanks man thanks for having me on lastly before we wrap up this episode i do want to get into the recent zoom meeting that general manager brandon bean held Um, I know it wasn't something that we had planned on talking about, but there were definitely some notable things that he said in this meeting that I think we should discuss here today. So with that being said, I think the biggest thing that stuck out to me was that he called Stefan Diggs and the trade for Diggs a proven commodity. Um, I think that's important because it's not, you know, secret information that the Bills lacked a number one receiver consistently throughout the season of 2019. That's no slight to John Brown or Cole Beasley or any of the other guys in that receiver room, but... There were times where the receivers just kind of, you know, fell behind the scenes. And and that's something that was missing on the roster last year that definitely needed to be addressed this coming season, whether it be through the draft or through trade. Uh, Obviously, the Bills decided to go that route through trade in Stephon Diggs. So being said in the meeting himself that the picks that he was willing to give up in order to get a premier player would only have gotten him up to maybe 18 or 19 in the first round. Um, And that's not necessarily a position that you're going to get a premier receiver at. That's usually, you know, a top 10, if not top five kind of spot where those guys go. So with that being said, you know, are you going to give up more picks to get one of those guys or are you going to go out and get a guy like Stefan Diggs? And we obviously know the answer to that question. Um, I thought it was also interesting that Emmanuel Sanders came about and said that the Bills reached out to him about 30 minutes before the Stephon Diggs trade went down. And he had told the Bills, give me a night to think about it. I'll let you guys know. And not even 30 minutes later, uh, the notification came across his phone that the Bills had traded for Stephon Diggs. So in a way, I thank you, Emmanuel Sanders. I would much rather have Stephon Diggs on this roster. Uh, Diggs is under contract for the next four years. He's only 26 years old. Sanders... Um, is not under contract this coming year and is 33 years old. So I am very happy about the way those things played out. Um, Another thing that kind of stuck out to me was that another vote of confidence in TJ Yeldon. Um, We know that TJ this past season was with the Buffalo Bills, um, showed some in the preseason. He played in a couple of the preseason games as well as a couple of the games this past year. Um, Had a problem with fumbling. Um, I liked him when he was in Jacksonville. I thought that he would have had more of a productive season with the Bills than he had. But when Devin Singletary is running the show, you know, you can't get mad at that. Um, 
I wouldn't put too much stock into this. I just think it's interesting. Um, they said the same thing about McCoy last year, and he didn't even make it onto the active roster at the beginning of the 2019 season. But I think it's important that you know you definitely want to give the guys on your team a vote of confidence and show them that you know the, the effort that they're putting in and the work that they've done for you is not going unnoticed. I think that's important. But as far as him being the backup to Devin Singletary, this, I've said it once before and I'll say it again, this is almost a Super Bowl roster. And Singletary proved last year, you know, you can't expect, I'm not expecting him to be injured every year, or, or I'm, no way am I saying that he's injury prone. But, you know, if he goes down, you don't want the next guy on your roster being TJ Yeldon. I'm not sure that that is going to be productive enough nor sustainable enough to win a Super Bowl for you. So, Wall, he might make the active roster. You know, I'm not exactly sure what Brandon Bean and, and McDermott are thinking right now regarding TJ Yeldon, but I would not be surprised if someone else were to be the backup to Singletary going into the season. And make no mistake, Singletary is going to be a feature back. I think that became pretty apparent towards the end of the season. Um, in fact, I, used, I was getting mad when Frank Gore was on the field and not Singletary just because the drop-off in talent and productivity was far noticeable. Uh, another thing that I thought was pretty cool was that Mario Addison, uh, former defensive end for the Carolina Panthers, is now in Buffalo. And uh, he actually roomed with Jerry Hughes in Indianapolis when they both were with the Colts during the early parts of their careers. Um, I think that's important because, again, especially nowadays when you can't really meet face-to-face or talk to guys that maybe you don't have a lot of connections with or pass with, and you want to have as many mutual connections and, and make that player feel as comfortable in their new environment as possible. So I think having that connection between Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison was noticeable. Those are definitely the biggest things that stuck out to me regarding this uh, offseason as far as what's happened so far and the updates that Brandon Bean gave during his Zoom meeting. Um, I will say he is a joy to watch. Um, You can tell that he commands the room when he is talking, and uh, there's no doubt that he has a vision and a plan for this team moving forward, and I'm excited he's with us. So with that being said, this will wrap up the last section of today's podcast. This is the conclusion of episode two of The Final Drive with Nate Castle. Uh, Thank you again to our guests, Logan and Trent. Uh, Moving forward, again, would love any questions from you guys for any future episodes, uh, any questions or concerns. Anything that you guys want to contribute, would love to have it here on the podcast. Uh, Again, thanks for tuning in, everyone, and uh, go Bills.